Nick Nolte becomes a homeless person. Peter Griffin meets Jay Leno. And Chris Farley is pelted by hail. This week in 30 2010. 30 2010, here we go again. Analyzing decades, sitting with our friends. Those were different days. And there's so much to say. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 5, not like the numbers matter, but uh, January 29th through February 4th mm-hmm. here in the year 2016. This is your host of 302010, Brett Elston. Chris Antista. Henry Gilbert. Diana Goodman. And we are Yay. back to talk about what happened this week, 30 years ago, 20, 20 years, years ago, ago, 10 years ago. I can't stress this enough, trash goes <laughs> in the trash can. <laughs> Have we discussed uh, what the nickname for the show is yet? We've been... Uh, is T3? T3 is a problem because that's a British magazine. Oh. Mm. How about, yeah, run by future. 3020 T. I just I just do TTT, which T-T-T. looks like an emoticon <laughs> bleeding from the eye. It does. <laughs> it, looks like, it looks like a three-eyed monster crying. Yeah. <laughs> I call it to the top. That's what I call it. <laughs> um, but whatever you call it... Uh, this is the fifth episode chronologically, which means we're near. We're, we actually get out of January. Thank God on uh, this episode. Yeah, which is a January drop, flew by a dropping zone for yeah. what you don't want anyone to remember that you did. Yeah, and when the challengers summer. explode, and uh, yeah, so yeah, prior episodes we went through the first MLK Day challenger exploding. Uh, but now we're in January 29th, uh, seven day period through February fourth. Oh, I have a nickname for us: mm. T squared. T squared. Yeah, T-squared. I like T-squared. this. That is pretty good. Well, now I think of T-squares, though. Yeah, that's why you can oh. remember it. Mm-hmm. We can have a... Because <laughs> the, the normal name is too confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time I, I'm trying to tweet it, I'm like, I don't know how to tell you. what. <laughs> Just the picture has fucking friends in it. Click on the image. Uh, but 1986, uh, this week, uh, 30 years ago, Christopher, <sighs> Down and Out in Beverly Hills is number one at the box office. Yes. Starring... Bet Midler and Richard Dreyfus and Nick Nolte and Nick Nolte. Uh, this yeah. is the first R-rated film from Disney, technically, yeah, in a roundabout way. Uh, they had started Touchstone Pictures, so so they could produce real movies uh, because I think that was it. Midnight Magic, Midnight Madness, Midnight so, Run. I think. So no, it, well, that's on my shirt right now. Strangely <laughs> wow, enough, it is. Um, <laughs> it's it. <laughs> they had released a movie without their name on it at all because they because they didn't have a distribution company to say this is not Disney releasing this R-rated film. Right. But this is definitely a company they own. And if, you know, in case yeah. you don't know, Disney went on to release Train Spotting and Pulp Fiction. Well, yeah, under once their they Miramax got Miramax, Miramax, then it was really all all but, fucking Miramax. But this is the this is the first time and I have a weird connection to this movie. Um not that anybody should watch it. It is the most 80s movie I've ever seen in a not fun way. Oh, okay. But my, I was going to say, Karate Kid is more is one of the most '80s films I've ever seen. But I, but I, I have a personal connection to it, and this is not interesting for anybody but me. Oh, I vaguely boy. remember. Is fall- it interesting to Paul Mazursky, the director? Paul Mazursky is an interesting person. So this is your yeah. American Rabbit segment. No, no, no. This is. But I'll never be able to say this about anything else. I remember as a little kid. Um, asking my mother what my father's favorite movie was mm-hmm. and this was it and I hadn't <laughs> thought about that in years and then I'm, I watched it for the show and the way Richard Dreyfus talks to his dog who he never gets along with uh, lots of, um, is how he refers to my dog 
and I huh. never knew that oh, a wow. bunch of th- that Aww. my dad steals lines from this movie and has for years up years. until the dog died last year no. to talk to my dog. It's so yes, my dad. This this movie impacted my dad a lot as someone who I think was working very hard and maybe entering into the upper class. He was a government worker, uh, but like entering into comfortability in the eighties. Mm. And it is about it's a movie about white guilt mm. well so it's one of those magical hobo films right it, is, like, it is a, with the, a hobo comes into your life and teaches you the real value yeah, of whatever there's, you can play the first clip because it pretty much sums up I think the theme of the movie why does mother keep falling for all these gurus and charlatans <laughs> it's so 60s <laughs> hey, hey hey what you haven't said anything about the car the Rolls Royce it's nice no parking it's not too uh, too Beverly Hills dad you do not have to justify anything. You work very, very hard for your money. Well, I uh, guess I feel, you know, a little guilty. Man, he's got a Costanza oh, delivery. Did I, did I cut it out or did you cut it out? That's the end of the clip. Oh, fuck me. Because she tur- turns around before she walks onto the plane and says goodbye. Guilt sucks. Uh, and, wa- and, uh, and walks away. And that like, is the name of the clip, if that helps. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's sort of the theme of the film is that, like, He's super rich from the hangar business. Bette Midler is a, a like a what would you call that? A shiftless housewife who gets only into spirituality and third world guru stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the son is flirting with what the eighties referred to as androgyny. Please don't jump on me for these terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is is going through a trans period, and they are all rescued by a magical hobo played by Nick Nolte, who tries to kill himself in into uh, by jumping into their pool, and they end up kind of adopting. And he ends up fucking everybody in the house and teach even the kid, even the boy, uh, even Dreyfus. Not, not, but all the women, including the maid, who uh, who Richard Dreyfus is having an affair with as well. Again, this is not. Whoa. This movie will not speak to anybody nowadays, but it's a fascinating time capsule about the '80s when, like, yeah, I could go from a shopping hanger salesman to a millionaire in Beverly Hills, and we don't. I think it's it, it was at the end of referring to Beverly Hills with scorn and anger. I don't. I don't hear Beverly it, Hills. I don't hear it referred to with with. Unironic reverence ever. Nine hundred two and zero help change that. I think so. It's I think we, we lost a little sympathy um, for them. And like, is it like you could have tons of films just called Beverly Hills something like Be- Troop Beverly Hills as well? Beverly Hillbillies. There's a, there's a, a, a clip of Dreyfus trying to slum it with uh, Nolte. He's a, he he goes he goes with Nolte to a food bank and then Nolte goes with him to his factory. He's like, I don't want a job here. I don't. Or two. I don't know. Some days you just want to take off. Yeah. All right. It's at the beach. I got some friends down there. At the beach, who's going to run my business? <laughs> who's going to pay my bills? Come on, you got to be kidding me. You know what my money nut is? You have any idea how much it costs to run my business? you got enough money to last ten lifetimes. <laughs> well, maybe I ought to be a bum. No, no more hangers, no more responsibilities. <laughs> you wouldn't last a half hour. <laughs> you think so? Hit the beach, buddy. Brano. <laughs> so Brano. he teaches he teaches Dreyfus how to be a bum, and it, uh, the, the movie's really weird and kind of pointless. And the end is super disturbing because Nolte kind of fixes all these people who have been trapped by the pitfalls of uh, modern affluence. And then at the end, he, he's revealed, "I'm kind of a fraud, and fuck you guys, you're awful." And there's the, the end. The end scene is him like walking away and becoming a bum again. And they all walk back out, and he looks at him and just rejoins them, as in like. Just embrace the eighties. It's wow. it, it. It doesn't matter. The ending. I found it super depressing. That's my interpretation. But like, I don't know. I thought this movie was famous for a little while. It created turned down and out, which I believe sometime uh, yeah. later yeah. there is an awesome special on NBC called Down and Out with Donald Duck. Yeah. Uh, that's, <laughs> 
kind of parroting this. Uh, there's yeah. a KMFDM song called Down and Out. Is there? Yeah. It's interesting that you said it's super 80s because it's actually based yes. on a movie from 1932. Yeah. Called Budo Save Dezo. Mm-hmm. That's so 30s, man. Budo Save from Drowning's a French movie. It's, it's very course. weird. Like award-winning American comedies all had to be based on French films for quite a while. <laughs> this, well, this is such a cliche We're now, though. We're still freaking doing it, though. Mm-hmm. Hearing, hearing this thing, it reminds me of watching um, uh, the, the first Vietnam War film about uh, a, a, Coming Home. About mm. a, a vet who's in a wheelchair who's yes. like, Vietnam broke me, but America really... Like, yeah. And then every... It just became a cliche, but it wasn't in that first film. And mm-hmm. the feels... It, maybe that's the deal with it. It's this, absolutely but. a movie about white guilt. And one of the coolest pieces of casting, tying it into another episode of 302010, Little Richard plays a character named like like Osmandius Midnight. And he, <laughs> and he has one scene that's like very crashy, and they never follow up on. But uh, to contextualize it, like... Uh, Richard Dreyfuss' super fancy house alarm has been literally activated by the dog. Mm-hmm. His nose, on, like on purpose, I mean, like Lassie-esque. Uh, He's activated the alarm and cops show up with helicopters immediately. I live right across the street from this place. But I don't get this kind of service, no, sir. Two weeks ago, a thief tried to break in my house. Call the police. Good God almighty. It took 20 minutes for the policeman to arrive. One little car. No dog, no chopper. And I know why I don't get the protection I am supposed to get. Because I'm black. Black, I'm a black man. Ain't no black man supposed to live in Beverly Hills. <laughs> I love that it's little Richard. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, I thought they'd follow up on this character in the story, and they never do. He's yeah. chased away comedically by the dog. Uh, and then it, what weird, weirdly appears later in the film at a party so he can play a song as little Rich. It gets... It's very confusing compositionally because then they all go jump in the pool, but he remains in the room playing the piano alone because you can't have a Little Richard song and pay Little Richard to be in the movie without him being alone and continuing the montage. It's really weird. It is an odd choice. <laughs> I, I miss Richard Dreyfuss's laugh. I, he's not in stuff anymore. He's like, hey. He is. He's in a brand new TV movie about Bernie. He's playing Bernie oh, Madoff. Oh, he's Bernie Madoff. That's yeah. right. Yeah. He has a very million dollar man laugh. I We're at the I, t- eleven minute mark for wrestling. By the God way, I think. Damn it! <laughs> we should move on. Richard Dreyfuss always strikes me as one of the most, as an unlikely Hollywood movie star in this day and age. Yeah. Him and Gene Hackman, the ugly, frumpy, bald guy, getting to play the <laughs> the romantic lead in everything. Yeah. Uh, also, this week apparently, Young Blood, mm-hmm. a, a movie with Patrick Swayze. Oh, that's a. Uh, uh, I've been offered a trial. Rob Lowe hockey movie. Mustangs. Yes. I gotta play never junior. If I'm ever gonna play pro. All the scouts are going to be there. Yeah, you know it's 86. Scored 92 goals this year so far for the Stanton Flyers. Get him a uniform. And the young blood consists of... The Doc Daughter is here. New uniforms for the playoffs? Want to go, pretty boy? Come on. you got to play it according to their rules. <laughs> All right. All right, so a very young Patrick Swayze. Oh, Rob Lowe is too pretty. Yeah, I, I can't he was old. Man. so pretty yeah. back then. He's yeah. a he's a very pretty man. Uh, yeah, else as well as Cynthia Gibb. Uh, Excuse me, in, is she in, related to the brothers Gibb? I, I uh, moving on from movies, uh, getting into TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week in 1986, Mr. Belvedere, Wesley's friend, January 31st, <laughs> AIDS episode. Yes, yeah, so January 31st. Well, we all remember Mr. Belvedere as... Uh, it was actually one of my favorite sitcoms to rewatch as a kid, just because 
Um, the lead actor, ah, uh, crap. The, the the man who played Mr. Belvedere was so great. And Bob Euchre was a great person for him to bounce off of. He got Bob, Bob Euchre. Bob Euchre is a, yeah, he's oh, the yeah, dad yeah, on the show. Yeah, he, a baseball yeah. Hall of Fame player, an announcer, and, and announcer mm-hmm. playing off of Christopher Hewitt. Christopher Hewitt, a very proper British actor who I think was most famous for playing Captain Hook in in Peter Pan productions. I, I remember him from the producers. Christopher Hewitt. Yeah, he's also great. At yeah, that too. And, the producers. He's uh, the flamboyantly gay director. So and here this, we are. This theme song, man. Love that theme song. I wish I was dead. <laughs> Uh, but Wait, is this the Belvedere theme song? Streets on the China never met it before. Who cares? When you drop kicked your jacket as you came through the door. No one I feel I feel like Schoolhouse Rock is trying to teach me something about politics. <laughs> when the British man can't get work, he serves the richer white people. That's a real fish out of water story. How many eighties shows were about hired help? Yes. Uh, yeah. How many? Mr. Have... Belvedere, who's the boss? Mel Carter's pretty break. much hard. This, yeah. this is the only time we'll ever have this story because it's Mr. Belvedere. But Greg, friend, uh, yeah. coworker at Capcom, and he's been on several of our shows. Uh, we when we were sitting from each other. We both had this random memory of Mr. Belvedere on a commercial going, "It'll be fun." <laughs> and his delivery. So for for four years, anytime something, I have heard that reference. Anytime something <laughs> stupid would happen at work, we would just like mumble to ourselves, "It'll be fun." I've heard you guys reference it, having no idea what it was. That's what it was. So we tried to look it up, trying to find some clip of him saying that, and then all we could find online was this eight-year-old YouTube clip. Really? Uh, that's called the Mr. Belvedere Fun Kit. <laughs> and the the about is like. Here's a strange local ad for something known as a Mr. Belvedere Fun Kit. I don't know why someone would want this. Hey, kids, get your free Mr. Belvedere Fun Kit. The Mr. Belvedere Fun Kit. You get an official certificate, an ID card, postcards, an iron-on transfer, a book cover, a newsletter, even a special surprise on your birthday from Mr. Belvedere. Oh, boy! How do we get a fun kit? Just mail a postcard with your name, address, birth date, and year to Mr. Belvedere Fun Kit. P.O. Box 990. It's a Hollywood California. I'm a huge fan of Brock Toon. But like, dude, this <laughs> music, an ID card—it's a remix of the, of the opening, but it's a jazz so rock. Have a Merry Christmas. Hey. Would you <laughs> like to be pen pals with a middle-aged English guy? <laughs> I forgot. I forgot you. I want to be a butler when I grow up. <laughs> Hello, it was him, Hello, Wesley. I remember when they visit him and his partner to sell him on the uh, on the production in the yeah. producers and they're like yeah. putting makeup on each other or something I didn't yeah, realize well, how he's dressing up for the choreographer's ball and he's going as the Grand Duchess Anastasia That's I didn't right. realize how like how good Seinfeld was making a joke about cause he's my butler <laughs> because because the live in help was a thing it's, it's in Down and Out in Beverly Hills too mm-hmm. I have never met anybody with a live in maid yeah live in uh, and, yeah. and like it's, it's, it's a staple in sitcoms even with people with like Middle class homes uh, at this point. You know, if I remember, they didn't. Li- did they not live in a mansion? No, they lived in a nice every place. house and every sitcom. I guess even Roseanne is like, we're yeah. really, we're really having tough times. Wondered, Your house like, is huge. It's, it's Wait, like why three did you stories. come to Philadelphia and live with us? And, uh. and that's kind of the premise. And also, every episode ended with a Doogie Hauser esque like. Well, this week with them, I did this. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, the most- character goes back to I want to say the forties. Yeah, yeah, but so there most, were some movies, Mr. Belvedere, like in the forties, and then they picked Belvedere it up. Son. I think. Most yeah. of these, most of the <laughs> episodes are just silly things about Belvedere 
trying to class them up and then him learning something back from them and and lovable kids like wesley oh wesley Wesley. that was his thing so this episode wesley's friend is a very special episode in that wesley's friend has aids (laughs) and uh well this is the entire arc of the episode let me in a clip but i'll explain real quick they find out his friend has aids uh wesley is a school child Parents don't want him in school because they're worried he'll infect the other kids, mm-hmm. even though it's that's not how it happens. It's, it's about explaining that to people, and the kid gets kicked off from being Lincoln, and Wesley is going to play Lincoln in a school play. Let's listen to this. Is there dance remix music under this clip, too? <laughs> no. I hope so. <laughs> this awesome. is taken directly from the episode. Hi, champ. How's it going? Well, I got AIDS, but other than that, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> what the fuck? They, they we're not wait. even done with the clip, but I Jesus. have not heard anybody Was deliver the news they have laugh? AIDS so bluntly they put since, in a laugh line since in, yeah. Haley oh Joel God. Osment telling Chuck yeah. Norris. Wow. Or, yeah. Okay. Mr. Owens. Hi, champ. How's it going? Well, I got AIDS, but other than that, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> Wesley, what I think your father's trying to say is you don't catch AIDS by simply being around someone who has it. It requires a more intimate association. You mean like dancing? <laughs> this Danny O'Neill, and he was supposed to play Lincoln, but he couldn't because he's got AIDS. Oh, oh my hey, God! What are you doing out here? Dennis, get away from him! <laughs> hey, what's wrong with you people? He's not going to hurt you. Besides, he feels bad enough without everybody trying to make him feel worse. Uh, I'm a kid, and I'm very educated about AIDS in 1986. Well, because well, because Mr. Mr. Belvedere educated him. Magic Mr. Poppins. So yeah, the episode (laughs) the the episode is one of those ones where it's like we have to tell you about AIDS, but let's make up a kid who's got it from a blood transfusion. So you're like, okay, you don't have to you don't have to empathize with a gay man or somebody you don't want to empathize with. It's just a child, a blameless child, and. But even in '86, like even doing that, an AIDS episode was a mm-hmm. was really crossing a line. Or it was on a sitcom was a big deal because I found this clip recently called "When AIDS Was Funny," and it was <laughs> it was a it was from a press conference with the press secretary Ronald Reagan in 1986 when this episode aired. And one person in the press corps is asking, "Hey, what about this thing that's killing all these?" people like what about aids uh, have you guys looked into that and then the press secretary replies like i think they call that the gay disease why do you care about it huh yeah and then later they mention something with the word fairy in it and they're like maybe this guy cares about it right so that's just like this 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 epidemic that is killing millions of americans there's like whatever it's really weird to to remember being alive and that bernie sanders clip that was that's been going around a lot of him like Uh, did you just call all these people in the military homos i i (laughs) no i believe you did it's like it's like 1989 and he's like losing his shit he's the only one who gave a shit like yeah well that's that is something. Sometimes yeah. when you're so progressive, you will seem crazy at that time. Yeah. And then 30 years later, everyone else is the monster. Yeah. And you uh, look like the same person. It's quickly running down the rest of the TV since Belvedere uh, took up the top spot here today. Mm. Uh, Kung Fu the movie. Oh, goodness. A continuation of Derek Carradine's uh, Kung Fu. This is years before Kung Fu the Legend, Legend continues. continues. would come back in the 90s. I think we may have missed its debut for 90. I think it was out in 95. But anyway. Mm. What's uh, a big deal in it is the acting debut of Brandon Lee. Yeah. Because Aww. the Kung Fu had been pitched as a show starring Bruce Lee. And they're like, we can't have an actual Asian star in this show. <laughs> right. Let's yeah. get David Carradine and have him pretend to be Asian. Yep. And now Brandon Lee... 
who whose mother was white. He's finally white. Mm. He's finally just Asian enough to be in the show. <laughs> just the right amount of Asian. Uh, then also, Punky Brewster had uh, part one of a massive five part story. Jesus, where uh, her 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 father's adopted I remember father's this. house burned his store burns down. He gets an ulcer. She gets adopted by somebody new, and it, it's a five. Wow. It's like five weeks long, which is pretty crazy wow. for Punky. And then that's even longer than a sweeps period. <laughs> but when we well, when it was supposed to be a movie. And, and yeah, no. spoilers. Like, yeah, that is like movie length. Yeah. Spoilers. The next time we're going to talk about Punky is when she has a Challenger epi- uh, special episode about the Challenger explosion. Uh, that was last oh, week, but no, but it took him. It took him <laughs> months oh, I see. to it finally do it. Weeks. It took them three minutes they to write a script fast? about it. They got it by the end of the season. Yeah, oh, by like oh. May- we'll talk about it in April. Uh, also, this week. Uh, oh man! But also, we may never get a chance to talk about Kung Fu. The Legend Continues. Uh, mm-hmm. I only love the theme song. It is. Basically, I, basically Toshinden music. I remember this being pushed very heavily during my cartoons. Uh, was there a cartoon version? No, no, but it just was like, on like USA, wasn't it? Uh, or TNT. Oh, this this part right here. This no syndicated. Oh yeah, but yeah, I would watch this like on Saturday nights because of like, oh here we go. I feel like I'm on hold with an acupuncturist. <laughs> uh, my friend bought the soundtrack to that entire show. Wow. It was on a CD just so we could listen to. We had this ritual that was on the last day of school in high school. We would both come home and listen to a track to be like, it's summer vacation. School is over. And he would listen to that one wow. to like usher in the summer. Uh, but also this week for TV was Silver Spoons, One for the Road. Two parter with uh, this yeah. is one of those shows like I feel like I watched it because it was on. Yep. But mm-hmm. I have no love for this show. I'm sure we'll yeah. get to Silver Spoons another day. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Knight Rider Return of the Champion <laughs> guest starring Don King as himself. Yeah. Ooh. I don't play. Uh, there's audio clip for that. When they asked what was the greatest fight of the century every voice was shout in unison the battle in view. I think he's fighting because he believes he killed a man. Get them! Get them now! Make sure you can fight as well as you talk. They're going to forget about the rumble in the jungle. They're going to forget about the thriller in Manila. The flood control systems are being purged. Give me everything you got. It's going to be exciting. Excitement, excitement. Wow, he's playing himself. He's playing himself. Referencing fights that he promoted. Yeah, and, and the episode is about a crooked fight promoter who isn't him but I a was gonna say. different guy the guy's like get him Don but, King uh, is squeaky clean I above know. reproach I also saw in the credits there's a character listed as Spider-Man and I was like is Spider-Man this episode <laughs> it's a nickname for one of the boxers <laughs> is, what was the Simpsons Lucius Lucius Sweet uh, yeah. so he's, he's as, just as rich and famous as Don King and he looks just like him too <laughs> um, yeah but that's that's it for the TV chunk here yeah uh, moving on uh, Henry had a quick note in here we don't normally talk about comic books in this show mm-hmm. because we have an entire show about we do capecrisis.com Cape, Cape crisis uh, but this is actually notable uh, mm-hmm. in that this week in 1986 the first issue of dark knight not first issue of dark knight returns was published really hey. february 1986 yeah wow. and, it, and it ushered in it and watchmen which also is an 86 comic mm-hmm. but we actually missed its first issue they brought in the grim and gritty era which arguably continues to yes. this day sure, yeah. and this especially was especially in films Jesus this like, was about well and now 30 years later we're getting the closest thing yeah. to a Dark Knight Returns film in the Batman versus Superman movie from the they, same person who brought us the Watchmen movie yes wow. that's true good god and yeah I mean the power armor that 
Batfleck yeah. is wearing in the trailers is taken right from this. In case you don't know, Batman Returns is about Dark uh, the Dark Knight Returns is about a Batman who retired mm-hmm. and now he's in his fifties and he's saying I'm going to come back and beat up kids again. And he's basically he becomes Dirty Harry and he's but he lives in a in a Blade Runner esque future and it ends with a, a fight between Batman and Superman that was unprecedented. They've been good goofball buddies up to this time and here you're seeing them dingily beating yeah. the uh, the shit out of each other in in an alleyway like yeah. it it was a total sea changing comic from that point mm-hmm. on yeah and this this would bleed out into like marvel and dc would both like this feeling would go from like oh this one off elseworlds thing that takes mm-hmm. place in the future somewhere and it's like mm-hmm. daredevil gets just as hard spider-man starts brushing up against this stuff too where his comic gets a little grittier it's like yeah. it, it takes over the 80s i mean writer artist frank miller was already yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. big before this comic came out but when it came afterwards he was huge yeah. Yeah. and they'd hired him they hired him to write batman year one which is pretty much what they based batman begins yes. on which made the mainstream batman no he is this grim and gritty guy yeah, who yeah. who like will beat the shit out of people and not care like yep. that that was batman not it was the furthest thing from Adam West there ever yeah. was. Mm-hmm. And wrapping up the 80s for this week, uh, music, uh, first Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction cool. for January 29th. I don't <laughs> yeah. know who was inducted. Oh, okay. first ever. I, I got a list for you. Oh. <clears throat> uh, Elvis, Buddy Holly, Chuck Berry, James Brown, Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard, Ray Charles, Fats Domino, Sam Cooke, and the Everly Brothers. Wow, good year for Little Richard. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the Ever- um, in that class list, I feel like the Everly Brothers should be happy to be there. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're great. I'm not saying they're bad. It's weird, but like all of the people you just mentioned, I did kind of grow up with knowledge of these people. They have all kind of their music has disappeared from mainstream pop culture. Yeah, they yeah. whatever oldie stations are left, they are not on them. Well, I think in our youth there was this weird '50s totally. nostalgia, and nobody yeah. has that now. Yeah. Nobody. It should be coming around every 20 years because they had mm-hmm. it in the '70s and they had it in the '90s. Should be now, but mm. not not the case. Those are all awesome choices, and if you don't know shit about classic rock, go look up some of those. This year, it's going to be NWA as part of the uh, as part of the group. Wow, I feel so old. But they're not rock and roll. They're still music. I mean, they're popular music. Now they're finally. I mean, they're not the first hip hop music. They feel they feel pretty rock and roll. I mean, what would you prefer, Third Eye Blind? Yeah, man, really, really threw it in the man's face. (laughs) Chicago is this year as well. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people point out Journey's still not in there. Are what? You serious? That's yeah. that's not fair. There's too many hits there. Yeah, exactly. But also on this week, uh, that's what friends are for. Is still number one, uh, as we talked about through multiple episodes, uh, and as we've said, is the, like the best performing single of the whole year. Uh, but this on February fourth, the very end of this segment, you know, this time frame for the show, Janet Jackson's Control releases, mm-hmm. uh, which led with the song "What Have You Done for Me Lately." lately. Woo. Uh, so we'll go out with this. This is a great album, and so many songs off this become like, oh yeah, everybody knows. Is this her first album? Mr. Black. <laughs> <laughs> I think as far as her being like a, a out there solo act, I think so. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. being involved with the family, like I'm sure she's in there in some capacity. And but she was a sitcom star when she was a really little kid. Oh. Yeah, mm-hmm. some good times. Uh, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll head out with uh, what have you done for me lately? And uh, we'll be back with 1996.
Good morning, nerds. Your pal Chris here, just waking up to tell you that this episode of 302010 is brought to you by Patreon. Haha. <laughs> Do you not know what Patreon is? Well, um, we all started this little venture called Laser Time, and eventually we reached out, joined Patreon, and reached out and asked our users to help donate to keep us alive and doing this full time, and this show was an incentive to do that. So this show would not exist without the donations of kind people just like you. Uh, if you like this, you might like another one of our Patreon-started shows, Talking Simpsons, hosted by Retronauts and U.S. Gamers Bob Mackie, who, by the way, is also on this week's Laser Time, and we are talking about the evolution of the nerd. Uh, whereas this show examines a specific week in history, Laser Time examines a specific topic. And this week, it is about the portrayals of nerds, which I wouldn't know anything about because I'm so cool, as you can hear from this episode. <laughs> um, anyway, if you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash laser time. There you will the, the first season of Talking Simpsons uh, stickers, weekly commentaries, a weekly bonus episode of Laser Time, and for a little more commentaries for wrestling matches, superhero cartoons, posters, there is so much over there if you'd like to just give us a tiny bit of money uh, every so often. I feel desperate and sad. Can we please get back to the show? Critics rave about Batman Returns. Hey, stud. Funny. I thought we had something together. Explosively entertaining. <laughs> Keaton flies higher than ever. <laughs> Viper's perfect. I saw her first. DeVito's dynamite. This is the summer movie of all time. You've got to see it twice. Gotta fly. Batman Returns. Directed by Tim Burton. Rated PG-13. Now playing. Bringing us in is Napalm Death. Yeah, finally. And uh, twist the knife, parentheses, slowly. Yeah, this is a <laughs> song my parents shared their first dance to, um, <laughs> their wedding. Man, that it really reached a lot of families. <laughs> it really did. Uh, but so bringing us in this week for 1996, Mariah's One Sweet Day remains on top. Uh, Oi. Where it will be for many weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but new albums this week uh, from Ministry, Easy e and Napalm Death. Easy is that posthumous? 1996? Yeah. It's gotta be posthumous. Yeah, yeah I think it was dead in 94. Uh, but who are on the Mortal Kombat soundtrack? Thank you. Napalm Death. And since we missed 1995, uh, came out in August, the movie, uh, Twist the Knife slowly was on the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. It plays during the Goro fight. <laughs> um, but hey, that Goro effect is still one of the best things about the movie. Incredible. It is amazing. It is incredible. Um, well, because it's real, mm, or yeah. it's a puppet, not... Yeah. not not CG like say reptile. Which, sure. Yeah, uh, reptile goodness. not as good. Oh goodness. Uh, yeah, reptile looks like a Windows ninety five. Yeah, so Easy E died almost a year beforehand in March 26, nineteen ninety five. Yeah, from um, AIDS. Oh, man, Mr. Yeah. Belvedere again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should have listened to Mr. Belvedere about shared needles. You man. had ten years, Easy. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so yeah, Mariah's One Sweet Day will be there for many weeks. So <laughs> we'll we'll probably hear it uh, a few dozen times. Uh, <laughs> but movies. Uh, the juror, the juror, not the rural juror, not the rural juror. Is this Just, the last Grisham movie? No, I can't. Wait, be. Oh, okay. For a second, I was getting confused with Jury Duty, but no. uh, the juror—it's Demi Moore, right? 
Yes. I, I want to say it's not a Grisham. It's a Grisham knockoff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there were like 8,000 based, based on the novel by George Dawes Green. Good call, Deanna. Demi Moore and Alec Baldwin. All right. I feel like it's Back when the, Alec Baldwin appeared in film. In serious Yeah, but it's roles. sort of like Alec Baldwin moving into bad guy roles. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that the one where he talks about uh, how he's God or whatever? Or no, is that, no. That's, oh, that's, that's a malpractice movie right. by Sorkin. Well, it's, so, it's also appearance, appearances from Joseph Gordon-Levitt and James Gandolfini. I've never wanted to see this movie until right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> Somehow cost $44 million. What the hell? And wow. made Half of that went to Demi. Of it. And made 22. <laughs> yeah. So like, Demi could command like $10 million for her role. It lost a ton of money. She was at the top for a game right here. Yes. She was, a, she was the first woman to hit the $20 million mark, I think, for, for strip HR. Yeah. 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 Okay, Which, she had to show boobs. That's why. Uh, There's no equivalent for dudes. You show a little peen, we'll up that paycheck a little bit. Yeah. Said no one and ever. Only Harvey Keitel ever took him <laughs> up. It feels more like actors like uh, like Jean Claude yeah, Van Damme yeah. say, "Oh, I'm going to show my butt." Did, like, not, they not weren't to, asked to. They, this is neither here. I just saw the man who fell to earth in the theater. Uh, R.I.P. David Bowie. And you not only do you see Rip Torn or David Bowie's dick. Plenty. Hmm? You see Rip Torn's dick, who a woman in a scene uses as a microphone, like <laughs> picks it up and puts it to her mouth, and like hello, hello, and wow, like wow, okay, we were I, way more comfortable I, with this kind of stuff in the seventies. Don't want to see that at all. Like, the last <laughs> thing I want to see, even seventies Rip Torn, I don't want to see. It's I flaccid, have a it's very, flaccid. very specific set of things that turn me on. And- <laughs> Damn it, that just hit everyone. <laughs> Sorry, Diana. A rip torn fetish. I forgot oh all about it. God. You can't show a hard penis in a movie. That's yes. an No, it was, it was soft, and that's yeah. what made it even more disturbing. I can never not think of Freddie Got Fingered with Rip Yes. Torn, yeah. uh, Larry Sanders for me. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> other two movies this week, a little uh, back and forth with the color naming, uh, White Squall. Oh, goodness. Oh, yeah. Guys on a boat. That did we not just, do well. It, during that movie, we saw the trailer for The Finest Hours. which is like they make this movie every 10 years and nobody cares about the ship lost its teeth Perfect Storm I think broke through but White Squall is like the same kind of movie but I think Uh with Boston accents it's Boston accents (laughs) it had had a whole bunch of like up and coming actors I remember Chris Pine Uh, Jeff Bridges Carolyn Goodall John Savage Scott Wolf Scott uh, Aladdin uh, but directed by Ridley Scott Ah, yeah. See, which we told I you, someone's got to direct those movies. No one sees, and he's still at yeah. it. And then we just had one of these last December with yeah. uh, Chris Hemsworth and uh, in the Heart of the Sea. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's or the ocean. Whichever. I, the, yeah. I bet he thought he was going to get nominated for losing all that weight. He's like, I went through a physical to- uh, transformation that deserves an Oscar nomination. Put it back on, Thor. <laughs> nope. Time to be in the Captain America cameo. Uh, but uh, after White Squall is Black Sheep. Uh, Funny movie. we mentioned Rob Lowe earlier, which right. uh, was number He's one. Not in this. He's a Tommy Boy because of the way oh, the, the fuck. that's right. Because of the week, the way the weeks uh, play out. Uh, this debuted on February second and mm-hmm. was thus number one on February fourth when uh, this episode's time period ends. Best Black Sheep, the post uh, almost said Janet Jackson because that's the tab I'm looking at. <laughs> uh, post Tommy Boy, uh, let's just do that formula again. Yeah, and right. have these two guys run around and get hit by things, except with like a little more budget to hit him with better stuff, I guess. Yeah. And there's a great <laughs> shot they of Farley hitting doing... him with a Toyota Celica, and they start hitting him with yeah. a what a Rolls Royce, a BMW, yeah. <laughs> and like the roof of the cabin blows off because it's like he's a son or brother of a politician who's trying to get elected, and yes. like we have to hide my idiot. Whoever, because he's going to compromise my election. Is this directed by Penelope Spheres? Like she didn't do want to do Wayne's World two, hmm. but uh, ended up doing this yeah. film. If I, yeah, I'm, I'm I know right. in the in the Farley book, Black Sheep is not seen yeah. as a positive in his life. It's, it's almost either. seen as a 
black sheep. Hey, look at that. Uh, well, to be you, honest, no, because the, like go wet, go east or whatever. Wagons no, east. Wagons east. No. You, oh, sorry. It's Matthew Perry film. Almost, uh, almost heroes. Yeah, that's worse. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yes. Penelope, Penelope Spheres. Spheres, yeah. yeah. They, like, hey. they, I hate that. There's that uh, Chris Farley biography. The Chris Farley word. show. Yeah, and it's it's him. It's David Spade talking about one of the last times they spoke on the phone. He's like, David, why can't we just make more Tommy Boy? Everybody, yeah. he's, it's the, he said he made it sound like Farley thought that was the only movie people liked that he made. Mm. And they they tried. Was it this within a year after Tommy Boy? It was pretty close. So like, Tommy fast. Boy was ninety five. Like trying to turn them into like the Gene Wilder and yeah. Richard Pryor uh, dynamic duo where they play different characters in the same film every time. Yeah. The only thing that pisses me. The movie's fine. It's a sure. nice. It's they, fine. The yeah. ending, it's worth coming upon on HBO in an afternoon. I, ending literally rips off the Simpsons sideshow Bob Roberts. The plot <laughs> the Simpsons wrote, whereas like the dead people voted for the wrong. The, <laughs> de- they made the dead people cast their votes, and they figure that out. And it's like, dude, the Simpsons did that three years ago. This is not a revelation. Ah. And the I, same audience is probably going to see this. Movie, exactly. So. Yeah. Like I w- I've never experienced anything like that before. Although Chris Farley does take an epic backflip into a lake where he looks like a flying bear. Um, <laughs> I know I, it's a stunt double. I think if this is the first time that I was like, Gary Busey scares me. This was the first <laughs> movie where I had that reaction. I'm like, I you're, grab- you're a living skeleton who will stab anybody who who's crosses them. Like, so I loaded up a clip. So I think what happened here is uh, they're driving, and they did a, they did the same bit almost in, in Tommy, Tommy Boy. Boy, where a cop pulls them over for driving erratically or too yeah. slowly or whatever it was. So this is a, a police officer talking to Chris Farley uh, after he's been pulled over, and he's trying to like convince him that, oh, David Spade, uh, he's a wacko, and mm-hmm. i got to get him out of the city. I said I was going about 65 tops. Seven. Seven miles an hour. And normally when I stop people, they pull under the shoulder. He was going too slow. That's the joke. And he's in the media. He's in the media. Up in Buckley Town, but down here we are protective of the other drivers on the roads. 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 Quiet back there. Taking enough guff from you for one day. Raving psycho. Butchered 400 chickens and screwed a beagle. <laughs> Taking him back to Nevada where he's wanted for banging horses. And then he waves at him like, "Oh yeah, that's good." God, yeah, sure, great. Yeah. I, that was a fun. I because David Spade was high at the time, I believe. Who? David Spade. He's uh, he's high. He's high as a kite. It's a rule. Oh moods. yes, he's high. Yeah, yeah. He's would you up. would you watch that or Beverly Hills Ninja? This, yeah, because sure. the yeah. physical stuff is always he's excellent at it. But it's like and moments it's, like that where he's he's, he's improvising, not improvising, but like I do love normal Farley. Yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. Uh, in yeah. that, I love those moments. I prefer normal Farley, mm-hmm. and that's why you notice I've been very quiet during oh, really? this discussion of Black Sheep. I do not care for any of Chris Farley's movies. Mm. I understand; mm. it's understandable. Just, I think just he's, don't. He's great in Wayne's World too. He's he's a lot of fun in Wayne's World too. I mean, I I did like a lot of what he would do on Saturday Night Live. In the movies, it's just too broad, and a lot of times, like he's supposed to be, you know, funny, fatty fall, and sometimes <laughs> he can't even do that right. Yeah, and it just it just isn't funny to me, man. Um, one exception. Okay, and I'm, I'm I'll stand by this. Coneheads. He is the heart of uh, the human heart of Coneheads. For okay. some reason, he's dating the daughter of right. Beldar. I think their heart is in their head. Right? <laughs> but, I, I have vague recollections of him being fine. But he's not. He doesn't fall. I think he crashes his motorcycle once, but as a romantic gesture uh, to the alien woman. But he's great, and he plays basically a teenager. Uh, and it's like if you want to see 
how Chris Farley could have been a great actor, could have moved into that. Cone, mm-hmm. Strangely, Conan <laughs> is your best evidence. I think, my, I think what my problem comes down to is I. it's not the, the giant reactions to things. Mm-hmm. It's that it's always up to 11. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, for something to be funny to me, like someone's driving and something terrible happens and they start going, ah! <laughs> I need them to be normal before that happens. Mm-hmm. Right. And he never is. And Spade well, is just so oily. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't even like Spade. What I'd say about I think Matt Foley ruined Chris mm-hmm. Farley because mm-hmm. the, I I rewatching old SNLs made me sad because Matt Foley is one of the greatest sketches ever like they ever had <laughs> on the show written by Bob Odenkirk uh, and Matt Foley and it and it's all this great stuff he's playing the motivational speaker and the it's punctuated with him falling on a table which he wasn't planned to do then they did Matt Foley 80 times after that. You don't see that on the specials of like, oh, here's the other 80 times Matt Foley showed up and fell through something or sweated a lot. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it was just, you're overdoing it so much it becomes unspecial. Like, it just blah. I still, the Tommy Boy, when his dad dies and no, he's sitting there remarkable. with the, the bagpipes, I'm like, why does this work every time, man? I, I think, I, can't, I think, I can't. It's, it's tickling some part of me that I. Diana, the things that you're saying, if you haven't rewatched Tommy Boy, there are a lot of moments not like that yeah. where he's not up to 11 and he's not... Fatty falls down, I believe, is what he called that character. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. that's why that one works a little more is because then they were like, oh, people pay a lot of money to just watch him fall over and yeah. over again. So it's like, why settle? Why slow down ever? <laughs> and then Black Sheep is just like... Bam, Let's just bam, have cake bam, all the time. Bam, bam, cake for dinner. It's like they go from like, oh, it's funny when Homer does stupid things mm-hmm. to like, what if he's just dumb all the time? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, then it's yeah. not funny anymore. Yeah, and I think yeah. Beverly Hills Ninja is your your ex- yeah. a better example of what you hate about Chris Farley. That's why I wouldn't. That's watch the him. only other movie that stars Luke Kang from <laughs> Robin Shu and Chris yes. Rock, I believe. Uh, Chris Rock yeah. is a bellhop. TV yeah. this week in 1996, the American Music Awards, January 29th, hosted yeah. by Sinbad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the American Music Awards were created by Dick Clark, and I believe it's a like fan voted thing. It's the one where, I think like, it's just you... based on record sales. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's let's give an award to the thing that's already popular, popular. Oh, so so that's... you feel validated and you're making them popular. So that's the only reason this is interesting is because Garth Brooks wins Artist of the Year, mm-hmm. and this is what happens when he accepts his award. Um. So you'll know right off the bat. Um. I cannot agree with this. Uh, music is made up of a lot of people, and if we're one artist short, then we all become a lesser music. So without any disrespect to the American Music Awards, and without any disrespect to any fans who voted, for all the people who should be honored with this award, I'm going to leave it right here. Thank you very much. Wow. That, oh. o- that audience is losing its yeah. mind. Over Garth well, if, Brooks. If, if, what Diana, if they're factoring in album sales, like nobody beat Dar- yeah. Garth well, Brooks actually, during this period. So I did some further reading on this. Mm-hmm. A, a story from 96 explaining why he did this. Mm-hmm. That it was a very like marketing. Garth Brooks was about marketing and record sales. Like He's, mm-hmm. he's less an artist than about r- managing the Garth Brooks brand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things he pointed out is that in 95, which is what they're awarding him for, he put out a greatest hits album, yeah. oh. and then he didn't put out a new album. And then he said, I've been talking to record store owners and all these people. They say they were keeping open in 95 thanks to Hootie and the Blowfish. And they're the ones who deserve this award. And <laughs> Hootie, didn't, Hootie won one award that night and not many else. And so <laughs> for the honor of Hootie and the Blowfish. Wow, what a Garth weird sword not, to fall on. Yeah, did not accept that award. I mean, 
that song was that album was inescapable. Though I feel like by the end of '96, it was you you could get it for a nickel in a used store. <laughs> Everybody traded in because then it wasn't cool to like Hootie. It's just pre Kanye. Yeah. Garth Brooks getting up there. Nah, mm-hmm. man. I was I'm looking up all the songs finish. I knew of him, and they're all like early '90s, like yeah. even years before this. Stand um, outside the fire. Thunder rolls. Friends in low places. He's a couple years away from being Chris Gaines. Yes, he's <laughs> remarkably close. Can't wait till uh, we get to that. We can make it three. If we can make it three years, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I don't see it happening. Also, uh, Magic Johnson returns to the Lakers after the AIDS announcements, January 30th. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a big deal. When he announced, I The show is announced. not usually full of this much Little Richard and AIDS. <laughs> yeah. Like, but for he, the past three weeks. But he announced in, like, 91? In 92. It was the 92. 92 season he announced it. And as a kid, that's how I learned what AIDS was. Because I believe you his referred an- to it as pulling a homer. His, his announcement was so <laughs> huge when it happened. Yeah. And everybody was talking on, like, sportscasters. I remember my mom said it. Sportscasters are acting like he's dead already. And yeah. Like, well, it was nice knowing Magic Johnson. And mm-hmm. now knowing that Magic Johnson still lives. And he's... To this he, day. I, I watched a documentary with him saying that he thinks he ended up being a bad thing for AIDS because he thought he definitely spread awareness of it mm-hmm. through his diagnosis and normalizing it and making it more a mainstream thing. But he also says, like, well, now people think it's less of a risk because I've lived with it for 20 plus... I've yeah. lived with the virus for 20 plus years. Well, he, he never had AIDS, though, right? Um, no. It was, it was HIV. HIV. It was HIV, HIV positive. And, and, and I love that South Park episode. Like, we found the cure to AIDS. You take $200,000 and blend it up and drink it. Because <laughs> if you can't do that, then you can't survive. But still, it was such a health concern. Yeah. It's like, nope, I'm not... I'm just quit. I, I could still play fine, but I'm quitting Lakers. And yep. then in 96, he's like, you know what? No, I can still play. I'm coming back. And some people were like, eh, I don't know. What if yeah. does? And and there was a moment where in one of his first games back, he gets a cut in him. In, like he's I injured, he gets a cut. That. And the doctor had to make a sign of like, I'm not even putting on gloves for this. I'm going to show people I'm not afraid of dealing with his blood. I'm a doctor. Quit being babies. I, yeah. I wasn't watching a lot of sports. I think it's a Chris Rock joke when he's talking about when Magic returns and like everybody's like, Ooh, you go ahead, take it to the hole, Magic. Uh, and he's like, everybody except he. This is Chris Rock's time, I think. Dennis Rodman. Mm-hmm. Dennis Rodman really went at him, like maybe a little hard. I don't know. I just I remember that anecdote for some reason. Well, I don't even know if it's true. I also remember I saw a clip that was now it's almost kind of sad. But when Magic like did one of his first interviews, it was on Arsenio. And Arsenio had asked him, like, yeah, but you're not gay, though, right? And then uh, Magic Magic was nice enough about it, but he's like, everybody who knows me knows I'm straight. And I was like, yeah, fine, whatever, who cares? Like, but so, it so was this a- was his coming back to the NBA, but he was yeah. on the 92 Olympic basketball. He was on the Dream, the dream Team. On the Dream, dream Team. And yeah. I, I remember it being a thing where, like, other teams were saying, I don't know if we want to play Magic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eh. No, there was that. There, and, I then, think- and then they just fucking sucked it up. They're like, what? Come on, you look yeah. like assholes. He's <laughs> yes. fucking Magic Johnson. He's going to trounce you anyway. Yeah. You might as well look good doing it. Yeah. Now he's a guy who he hosted. He's hosted talk shows. He had talk a show. line of theaters. The talk yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's probably he's he's on one of the basketball recap shows, right? Now. Like, yeah. No, he's, he's, he's lived a fine life. We're not sports people. I'm sorry, my, everyone. One of my favorite uh, Magic Johnson. Well, one of my favorite typos. I've ever seen in a magazine mm-hmm. ever, mm-hmm. and I like laugh. I know what you're saying. Uh, there was this is all when we were at Future, and like there was a oh, Halo, a Halo special oh, about like all the characters of ODST and Reach and the Halo one through three, and 
I don't maybe Reach wasn't out yet, but it was like character, 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 and then here's Avery Johnson. And instead of Avery Johnson, it's his Magic Johnson as, I, the, as his name. I, I remember that because I, I think I knew the person making the magazine, and that was like something the copy editor like picked up. Yeah, like I don't know who made that error. It, that magazine is probably gone from the face of the earth at this point. Yeah, but I just remember seeing it and being like, oh, "Yeah, oh, oh. I I definitely remember that." And I remember the person who made it, and oh, I feel bad. Um, um, and no one caught it either. Um, let's see. Also, Henry put Gulliver's Travels. Stars yeah. Ted Danson by Jim Henson Productions. What? Yeah, in February 4th. And it was Pizza a- O'Toole! Pizza O'Toole! NBC got into the Part business. Of his 20, 20 years of slumming it. Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> I remember this. In the, in the mid 90s, NBC got in the business of doing like these big miniseries productions or TV movies. With They also did um, Alice in Wonderland with that had Whoopi Goldberg in Martin it. Martin Short. Martin Short. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, I think I remember uh, that one. So this one was in 96. The, the part two aired the next night uh, on the 5th. But okay, everybody knows Gulliver's Travel is, is about a giant in Lilith with the, in Laputa. So Laput- a normal guy Laput. that goes to the land of tiny, tiny people. Yeah. But the book, which is a massive satire by uh, uh, Jonathan Swift, it's, it, he goes to other places, but that usually gets cut for time. And, they, they, and then this has it all, though. It has him with the Lilliputians. It has him as uh, he then goes to another land where he's the small person and everybody else mm-hmm. is giant. Then he goes to the land of Yahoo's, which is just really weird. And when you see it in this film, you're like, yeah, I get why people cut this. This is just a strange thing. But it had had early Henson CGI and all this stuff to make it look it was it was an amazing looking film for the 1996 on television and the other big deal of it was that it starred uh, the only Americans in it are Ted Danson and his his wife Mary Steenburgen mm-hmm. and everybody else is British and it's just it's a very British production like their first it, movie as a husband and wife I believe it's yeah. like a million Jim Henson productions mm-hmm. of like oh you brought in two Americans mm-hmm. to England where you film everything mm-hmm. and and then Henson Jim Henson himself had been thinking like oh yeah it would be nice to do something about Gulliver's Travels and it's, so, it's something that never you know, works ever, and I love the first animated movie the first Fleischer yeah uh, oh it's amazing film. pull a Johnny Carson here and be like I believe we have a clip yes <laughs> oh, we do yeah. the thing was they've been fighting this ridiculous war for generations and generations and none of them had the slightest clue what they were fighting about they've been killing each other for years and years and there wasn't a single Lilliputian who knew why yeah that's, 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 that's that's Ted Danson discussing that, with the weird leading man. That is really strange, though, because he's using an American accent, but he's using kind of a British pattern. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a weird, it's an odd choice. It is an odd choice, but uh, I and none of them had the slightest clue what they were fighting about. They've been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it was like it, yeah. maybe NBC said, "We want Sam Malone. We hired you to be Malone as Gulliver." <laughs> Uh, but it's it's if if you're never going to read the book Gulliver's Travels, this is the best adaptation of it there is. I, I would recommend we all go to Japan, and one of the coolest things in the universe is the abandoned Gulliver Gulliver's Travel theme park. Oh yeah, there is a giant. You are the size of a Lilliputian, mm. and there's a giant Gulliver tied to the ground, and it's now it's covered with like sperm and graffiti and beer cans. <laughs> uh. But it, but it, it's just well, there's sitting. no trash cans over there. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, where, where am I going to put that? Stuff? Uh, it's 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 a lost theme park that's been abandoned, but you can still see it from like when you fly over it. It just looks like a giant man tied to the ground. Wow. Neat. Oh yeah, Gulliver in the in the film Gulliver. Why can I not say it? Uh, 
he even they even keep in the bit where like he pisses on a fire to put it out. Jeez, <laughs> boy, uh, you gonna move back into that house? Church on fire. <laughs> well, he did it to the princess at the castle. So, how big is his wiener? Mm. I, you know, they think so, the size think of like eight of them. The size of a whale. The size of a whale. The size of a the size of a Nathan store. My words are failing <laughs> me right now. Uh, wrapping up the '90s, I believe. Uh, really quick, two things in video games. <gasps> uh, uh, on PlayStation 1, it just says February, so I'm just going to toss here in the beginning because it's maybe there'll be something more important to talk about later in, the, mm-hmm. in, in February. Alien Trilogy yeah, on PS1, uh, which retold loosely the plot of the first three movies mm-hmm. because even though this is 20 years ago, mm-hmm. this is still a full year and a half before Resurrection comes uh. out in theaters. So there is not a quadrilogy. Wonderful yet. Winona Ryder vehicle. Cool. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Joss Whedon written. But it's kind of a Doom clone. I mean, you move through... It was claustrophobic, you know, really disappointing. Flat that's, areas. It followed up Die Hard trilogy, which the Die Hard trilogy game was awesome. This is before Die Hard trilogy. Oh, it, it predated Die. Okay, yeah. so I discovered it later, and like that was awesome in a very brief, seemingly brief period of Fox Interactive, like Fox sure, focusing yeah. on making video games out of its properties. Yeah, um, but it's kind of like I said, it's kind of a Doom clone, right down to this like music that is like. Like again, you're like on a ship with like oh, there's a xenomorph running around. And the music is like it has uh it starts atmospheric and like okay yeah okay this is spooky I guess and then yeah all right Ooh, let's nice. slow moves into the sliver soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> where's that alien I don't know I I rediscovered this song and was like it, it this is, is great, although man. I've always said I could make the argument that every sci-fi video game is inspired so much by Alien and Aliens anyway sure uh, even even like the first StarCraft, I think it's like these are just verbatim lines from the film oh, yeah. to to match the motif. Yeah, it is kind of. I mean, Alien is inescapable mm-hmm. with within sci-fi post that. Alien and then, specifically. Yeah, and then also after that, really quick, didn't come out here, so none of you care. But February third, mm-hmm. Henry May, uh, Radical Dreamers just uh, I care. debuted I love that soundtrack. on Super Famicom Satellaview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> visual novel. That was just syllables. Uh, <laughs> what was that? Um. Super Famicom had a like you know Sega Channel ish thing mm-hmm. where you could uh, play games that were only available through this other service, yeah. and you could download them on Super Famicom. The Satellaview, which I think I didn't know how to pronounce until a VG Empire where it came up, and I was like the satellite 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 view, the Satellaview. Uh, Radical Dreamers is a visual novel that inspired Chrono Cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a pseudo sequel to Chrono Trigger in that like it, some of these things going on, but. It stars Surge and Kid, and these are characters that come back in Chrono Cross, um, and there would eventually be a song on the Chrono Cross soundtrack by Yasunori Mitsuda called Radical Dreamers, mm. uh, and that'll be what takes us out of the segment. This song is way too impactful. Uh, this is the song that played me out of Talk Radar wow. and Future, yep. so it's a, little, it's a little too like uh, tearjerker of a song, but it's beautiful, and I really encourage everyone to check out the Chrono Cross soundtrack. The game itself came out in 2000, so even from here, there's a four-year gap mm. from mm. Radical Dreamers and... Chrono Cross itself. So we'll head out with that, and then when we come back, it's 2006, and a bunch of stuff you don't care about.
this is Internet and all the ships at sea. This is Diana's Classic Corner, where we look even farther back into the past this week and see if there's anything worth watching. Uh, 50 years ago this week, 1966, we've got The Rare Breed, which is a Western with James Stewart, and The Ugly Dachshund, a Disney movie about a Great Dane that thinks it's a dachshund. I will recommend neither of these. 75 years ago, before that, uh, we've got January 31st, 1941, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Alfred Hitchcock's only comedy. Um, it's okay. It stars Carol Lombard, who's fantastic. It kind of invented a lot of the wacky, dizzy dame, uh, fast-talking comedy that uh, you probably associate with comedy from the 40s. She she did better work, but uh, it is interesting to see Hitchcock try out a uh, a comedy. So Mr. and Mrs. Smith, not that one, the other one. Uh, yeah, check it out if you're interested in that sort of thing. Uh, I guess that's about it for this week. Stay classic. Don't you know what a watch is? Sure I do, Mr. Krabs. Watch this. Watch that. Watch me. Watch us. Watch your step. Watch your head. Watch where you're going. Watch this. SpongeBob, watch out! Watch out! That's a good one, Patrick. Flippable, floppable SpongeBob SquarePants watches now at Burger King. Only a dollar ninety-nine each when you buy any value meal. The SpongeBob SquarePants movie only at theaters now. I didn't realize it took him a minute and a half to get to the chorus, but <laughs> she wants revenge, tear you apart. Yeah. Uh, this album came out ten years ago. Wow! Uh, yeah. The album released, uh, and I remember this was like the lead single for a while, and it was on the radio and kind of inescapable. I felt for a while, uh, and then uh, there's a part in this song in the chorus where he's like, "I want to fucking tear you apart," and almost right out of the Simpsons, it was like changed to. Uh, I really wanna borderline like what I'd like is I'd like to hug and kiss you. <laughs> this uh, is a, but this is a very weird period in like rock music because I don't hear anybody talking about bands like yeah, these. No, this, this, this song, like this music in like Interpol makes yeah. me hearing it yeah. now it makes me feel old. Yeah. I'm like, Ugh, boy, that was yeah. Years so ago. Like the Killers and yeah, so um, Killers were like late '04, mid mid to late '04, mm-hmm. I think. Hot Fuss mm-hmm. was mid '04, I think, and they blew up because Mr. Brightside. Yeah. And Jenny was a friend of mine, yep. and then they have an album coming out later this year, '06, mm-hmm. Samstown, which was their second one. But yeah, this is a weird period where it's like. There's no the only unifying sound that I really recall mm-hmm. is this like yes. she wants revenge postal service Interpol and then the other side is like oh all these smaller you could call them indie bands like mm-hmm. Killers Bravery Kaiser Chiefs 
Arctic like, Monkeys. Yeah, Arcade, <laughs> Fire. Arcade Fire. Like, and, and I, I kind of got really back into music mm-hmm. uh, right around this. I got satellite time. radio, and they had like functional rock stations playing new music, yeah, and this well, was and, it. Yeah, and Block Party was in there, and too. this wasn't on the radio that much. Yeah, nor TV on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> So this I heard a lot just from... I lived in California by this time, and I remember it being on the stations around here. Mm. Mm. Um, but I listened to that album a lot, uh, and I don't know anyone else really who was like, oh yeah, I bought that album and it was good. Because like, there's songs I like, but I feel like this is secretly a terrible band. I think, see, like, weirdly, it, it, it <laughs> Maybe not so secretly. The same as like 80s movies, and it's going to... 80s music, and it's going to take like 20 years for people to rediscover uh, what they really mm. loved about it. And I'm definitely not ready to celebrate this... this style of music this is one of those things where I put it on my iPod Nano Mm -hmm. when I moved out here uh, or shortly after moving out here and it's still on there today only Mm -hmm. out of sheer laziness (laughs) so like once a month I will hear this song in the bathroom Mm -hmm. because of the the (laughs) iPod dock with an iPod stuck in it covered in six layers of whatever happens in bathrooms over six years <laughs> barnacles i think i mean yeah. your skin it's, is everywhere yeah it's, it's the fluff from toilet paper okay that's good. what i've noticed it's like why why does the bathroom have like 80 times more dust than huh. anywhere else and i really think it's the fluff from excessive toilet wiping paper. Yeah. it makes a curious I'll, exactly. I'll win that argue with my girlfriend next time thank god <laughs> it's the toilet paper uh, it's not just my pubic hair and then in movies mm-hmm. oh, uh god. something new with that's mike, the name of the movie something new with mike epps <laughs> Uh, Alfred Woolard. But it's like right. they're barely in the film. It's about two other people like no. I've never yeah. heard yeah, of. Yeah, it's about Sana Lathan and Simon Baker. Yeah. And- I, I watched the trailer yeah. and like and Golden Brooks. <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> yeah, she hires him as like help to like clean or do landscaping. Yeah. And everything. It's yeah. A, it, does, it looks like a black woman falling in love with a white gardener. Yeah. A, oh, an yeah, affluent yeah. black woman falling in love with a, a white gardener. White gardener was the Ridley Scott movie. That, it, that you're thinking of the constant card. <laughs> I remember um, watching the trailer. I didn't see the film, but I watched the trailer for it, and it uh, it's where I first heard the the slang "get your swirl on." Swirl or swerve? Swirl. I swirl. thought it was swirl. I thought yeah. it was swerve. As in, swerve. You know, swerve. I think it means the same thing because okay. it means to move your pelvis in a certain direction oh, when your you dick is inside something. I no, I think I think that that was some sort of race based pun. Get yeah, your I thought swirl, swirl on like a chocolate in, vanilla swirl. Yeah, oh. that's what I thought it was. Ah. Correct me uh, if I'm wrong on this. Henry did uh, get it right on Laffy Taffy. I'm the most um, po- I'm the most slang uh, yeah. knowledgeable in this room. It, it you is. know the most about slang terms for vagina. We opened with with <laughs> down and I out in Beverly Hills, but like something. Prog- this is a progressive film. Obviously, it's trying to. Uh, show something people haven't seen before is one of those things that will look really stupid in 30 years. Well, it's always weird when the progressiveness is like, it is progressive, but it's mm-hmm. like, the the person who's like, would say to people, hey, you're not being progressive enough mm-hmm. is a straight white dude. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel weird of like, why aren't you guys accepting of me? A white man! <laughs> that, that, I, that was like two episodes ago. I'm way past that, Henry. <laughs> uh, also, this week, uh, the... Uh, surprise hit, I guess, is When a Stranger Calls. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Camilla, a movie. remake. Though. Camilla Bell uh, broke Boogeyman Super Bowl weekend record because the Super Bowl weekend movie, huh? $21 million. So oh. when I saw the trailer for this, I thought it was one of those like ads before, like a phone ad before the movie. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. this is the most cliched <laughs> thing of all time. Like, oh, the yeah, killer yeah. is in the house or on yeah. the phone. I was like, yep. Well, clearly, this is not a person I've ever seen before, yeah. so, so this can't be a real movie. And sure, then when yeah. it ended with like an R rating and a date, I was like, 
this is a real film. Like, yeah, yeah actually, it's, it's a real film. It's a real remake of yeah. a real film. Mm-hmm. The thing, though, about the uh, the original is that you know, have you checked on the children? And the call is coming from inside the house. Stuff that's not the whole movie. That's like the first twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the rest of the movie is like a rest of a movie about trying to find this guy but everyone only remembers that awesome first part because mm. it's like an urban legend now so they make a it's movie just tense. out of the good part yeah, yeah. so yeah so they took that 20 gotta minutes give a little bit of credit yeah and then stretched it across what i'm guessing is the minimum amount to get into the probably about yeah. 78 minutes, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. it stands with a metacritic score of 27 but oh. it also one of the co-stars oh. is uh tommy flanagan here we go so mom was able to get the tickets I was kind of hoping they'd be sold out. You recognize this voice? You're not going. This delivery. Chamber music. I do. Years before he would be Clark killed, Gregg. Years before he would be stabbed by Loki. Shield uh, agent Clark, Clark Gregg. Clark Gregg uh, driving in a car. God, that thing Fuck in the trailer. You today. Stop calling me. Do you yeah, want to? Yeah, so, yeah. So this is like the the moment. Stop calling me. You Jill, sick. it's the police. We traced the call. It's coming from inside the house. You hear me? Oh, my Ooh. God. And, yeah. It's a just, few years before Inception, Horn, where that's what it would have been. Just <laughs> just getting these, like, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm old now, so who cares? But, it's man, not... just the most boring-looking people <laughs> to be in this movie. They're very generic. You want to see uh, how this movie looks dated? I love the poster. This is the poster of the film. <laughs> it is just a hand with a flip phone yeah. uh, held held towards camera Oof. on all black. Uh, and then this weekend, Big Mama's House 2 was number one. Hell yeah. Uh, I know we were all there. Yeah. <laughs> but last episode, we talked about how good Martin Lawrence is in many things. I think, I don't... Uh, Not necessarily. He's got, he's got plenty, of, uh, plenty of a legacy for him. I just feel like yeah, it yeah, should have yeah. been better. Yeah. Like he, had, I, he had two stand-up films. Who has two... Theatrical stand-up films. Run, tell that, Elston. Past 1987, even, (laughs) especially. We watched Black Knight together. Well, that's what happens when you wait for people to write things for you. Shit just got real. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then in news, uh, I grabbed a couple things. It was the 2006 State of the Union from George W. Bush. Tur. Said America is addicted to oil. Oil. It was, yeah, you look at the... Thanks, pusher man. I didn't (laughs) know that. (laughs) <laughs> no, it was it's it was weird to look at the cliff notes of his things and one of them was the major one was that were headlines when I looked it up. America addicted to foreign oil from unstable countries. I was like, Well you no. really we really worked hard on that uh yeah. didn't no, we? Appa- apparently we did. We did? Yeah, like like oil has never been more it worthless than right cheap, now. Yeah. And that's yeah. why it's, it costs so little. Well, and it's, part it's, of it is there uh, Iran sanctions are, are opening up uh, mm. Iranian, so yeah. Oil's suddenly going to get really cheap. Go hoard it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it took him 10 years, but uh, February 3rd of the same time period, Grandpa Munster dies. Oh, Al Lewis. Al Lewis at oh. 82. Uh, he made former, it into the former, 2000s? Former yes. New York yeah. gubernatorial candidate, I really? believe. Really? Yeah. I want to say it was probably 2004 then, if he passed away in 2006, that wow. uh, I think he ran, uh, I want to say New York governor of the Green Party. Wow. And... Uh, was involved in a lawsuit against the Secretary of State because he wanted to be listed as Grandpa Al Lewis on the ballot wow. because that's how he is known. Yeah, yes. everyone sees him, knows he's Grandpa. Because we we I I love the Munsters, but it had yeah. such an enduring legacy that this he would guest star on shows and be just be called Grandpa Al Lewis. Yeah. in the credits, uh, but he'd be 
he'd be sitting in a chair the entire time. Like, but it was sometimes sad to see he him. He was like permanently old. Sometimes yes. he would still be in the makeup too. Yes, and I don't know. Love was, the monsters. Then he would like. I just I, he seemed like by the time I was even a teenager. Yeah. Like here's a thing I, I just now googled. Like looking up like he he would just show up in random commercials and like <laughs> paper warehouse. It's Al Lewis. Oh hi there, kiddies. I have to tell you this. If you love Halloween the way Grandpa does, you're going to love Paper Warehouse. I mean, they have a great collection of, of, of costumes, makeup, masks, everything for a horrifying Halloween. Yeah. Just paper, man. I don't feel as yeah. bad He earned his paycheck that day. He was trying. He's yeah. into it. No, he, he's, he's one of yeah. those old guys that was always game for stuff. He'd show up on Stern a bunch. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, yeah. he was a fun guy. To this day, I think... He but then he outlived so many other monsters. Cast. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody except for Butch Patrick. Yeah, he's not that? actually in Gremlins too, correct? No, it's a character. I like, to this day yeah. thought that was him. I, me too, me too. <laughs> but he's playing the same character as as a horror movie host. But like, how, couldn't they not get him, or do they just not hmm. want him? Because I know he would not have said. No. I asked for too much. <laughs> I wanted to be a bat, and they wanted me to be a rat. <laughs> I, this is the worst I've ever done. Uh, also, news really quick. Uh, Attempted improv. Uh, <laughs> I salute it. I salute it. Love above. That's fine. You can rhyme words. Uh, Thirty-nine cent stamp was released featuring Hattie McDaniel in the dress she wore in the nineteen forty when she became the first African American yeah. actress to accept the Academy Award. Yes. Woo. Was it an honorary award? No, she won Best Supporting Actress best supporting for actress. Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Yes. Um, not knowing though, nothing about birth and no babies. No, that's not her. She was <laughs> Mammy. Oh. Okay. She is the the. Uh, soulful authority figure in the movie who yeah. tells everyone what to do and doesn't take anyone's fucking sass. In my mother's... She earns that Oscar, by the way. Yeah. In my mother's Gone with the Wind room. Uh-huh. Uh, I feel like I need to meet your mom. We can uh, talk about Gone with the man, Wind. Because she... I think it'll turn into a fight. Which <laughs> you will you will exhaust the topic, I'm sure. Oh, I don't uh, know. Because there, this room is filled with, like, it's just everything Gone with the Wind. But uh, in it is a framed signed photo of her oh nice uh, really yeah your mom has a signed Hattie McDaniel photo yeah that's awesome that Beautiful. is pretty awesome yeah. mm-hmm. she, uh, she did not live all that long I believe yeah. she passed away pretty young like, maybe it's like a, her 50s maybe it's a fake signature what year did she die she I died in 1952. Yeah, she, she died huh. pretty young for her. I need to verify what that signature is, I guess. I, I know. Her, her, her family? A, I don't know. For a while, uh, in the early 2000s, I would give people the gag gift of a signed photograph of Tom Berenger uh, for their <laughs> birthdays. And there's just like a dude who like, it's just a photocopy of a signed photograph and I'll sell it to like for like $5, but it looks kind of authentic. Sure. I mean, maybe, maybe your mom got caught up in that. Well, it might've been even intentional just to have like a nice thing on the wall. Cause there's like, here's been Scar- since you're born, since you were born. I mean, this came about in the 90s, probably. Don't insult his mother. I'm well, not, no, I'm sure she knows it was not, like, yes, this I'm was hand-signed by her. I, I mean, doubt this, this that. Is from it a, it's signed by somebody born during cowboy times. <laughs> well, no, it's, <laughs> it's the, probably just supposed century. to be a, an accent piece in this room. I see. And this, yeah, it's a, sm- astonished. It's a small really cool. room. It's just, like, it's a normal house with a second bedroom, and rather than have a second bedroom, when there's no kids in the house anymore, this is where all the Gone with the Wind stuff went. Mm. And there's, like, here's a, you know, a framed picture of Scarlet, and here's a framed picture of the house. House, which mm. I'm forgetting the name of the house in the movie. Tara. Tara, there it is. 
Uh, anyway, also this is it, day... Tara's theme is the Oscar theme, isn't it? Is it not? They use it a lot, yeah. But I think that's called Tara's theme. It's Tara's theme, yeah, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the main theme. For the You'll movie. hear it in a few months for the Oscar yeah. special. If you want to go back Hi, on Diana. Twitter, uh, I live-tweeted all of Gone with the Wind a couple months ago. Did you really? Yeah, it, it became very interesting. That I have you know, not opened that Blu-ray, and it's, it's not one of the things leaving. Yeah, it's one of those movies where it's like, I loved it as a kid, because it's yeah. like big and colorful and pretty and interesting, and then... Then I realized, oh wow, well, there's some fucked up racist stuff in oh, here. Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. And now I've gone back and I've read the book, and now I realize the movie is fucking progressive for 1939 <laughs> compared to the book because they don't say the N word, and the slaves are happy, but they're not really happy, you mm. know. I figured it was just impolite to say it wasn't like, oh, we don't want to sound racist. It was just like that's a like that was a slur, and that it was impolite to say the N word. Mm. So you wouldn't. It was as dirty as damn back then, I figured. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I've seen it in a couple other movies. Okay. But it's a, it really? is a fascinating movie in the end. Rhett and, Rhett and Scarlett have the worst relationship yes. I've ever seen. Yes. Mm. I never. You look at that poster and like, this is going to be the most romantic tale of all time. Oh, and that's why I find fuck. it entertaining no. to watch because it's like, yeah. it's complicated. Yeah. It is messed With the Atlanta up. burning in the background. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Messed Sherman. Uh, David O. Selznick. Yes. I only know this because there was a blanket every day of high school when I would uh, get ready in the morning. There was just a blanket of the Gone with the Wind poster in front of me every day. And I'm like... David Osek presents a Margaret E. Mitchell novel or what? Just... Do you remember the director? Because his name is smaller on, on, on the poster. Huh. I, Diana no, does. Maybe. What's the director's name? Victor Fleming. Mm-hmm. Ah, no. Those two stick out of my head. Anyway, this week also... And 2000... a bunch of other directors, apparently. Yeah, Gotta get off Gone with the, the Wind. I want to hear Sorry. something new. Uh, one small bit of news that I enjoyed. Bill Nye was married this week in 2006 to Blair Tyndall. I don't want to jump ahead of show, but this marriage was undone in seven weeks. <laughs> and they are not married. But... Just oh. that, like just seeing the news, like oh nice, Bill Nye got married. This was annulled seven oh. weeks later. Oh. He disproved he's, love. He's, like, he's, oh, he's love a science him. guy, but not a chemistry guy. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> was it uh, that Bill Nye? Yeah, not Billy Nye. Okay. Oh, uh, games. Still not a lot happening. 2006 January. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Everybody's still recovering. And the usual like surprise Capcom thing of like here's RE4 here's mm-hmm. a year from now in 07 it's Lost Planet like mm. DMC3 was before so it's like there's no surprise 06 Capcom game either so it's like there's nothing uh, to really speak I of you, I saw in your notes that the GameCube is slowly dying yeah because like this point like I reviewed Chaos Field and Mega Man X Collection came out mm-hmm. a couple episodes ago but like there's not much happening yeah because they were prepping for the launch of the Wii yeah it kind of makes you think that right now the Wii <laughs> doesn't have a single game on it that's a huh. I release <laughs> yeah. hmm. uh, TV Puppy Bowl 2 <laughs> yeah uh, wow, only the second one I, that's Man, the I fact know. that it came back, that's pretty great. Wow. Puppy Bowl was the first one. Everyone was like, what are they saying? They're just going to show a bunch of puppies during the Super Bowl? I, I didn't think, and everyone loved it. I didn't yeah. think anything could replace the Bud Bowl in my heart. But the Puppy Bowl, uh, puppy I, mean, bowl. I don't miss I don't miss the Bud Dry character at all. <laughs> I, 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 I voted for Bud Light. <laughs> every year I'm like, I'm going to watch the Puppy Bowl. It's like, oh, you've made it impossible. Oh, that's right. You have no more cable. Because cable's a joke and a sham. <laughs> and, and a waste of everyone's time and money. But... 
it's like, oh, you're going to stream it somewhere? No. <laughs> Do you think, get Animal Planet? Do you think I'm going to go it's through true. the hassle of signing up for cable again? Yeah, to like, watch raw feed of puppies. Like, how about I YouTube HD footage of cute dogs? It is admirable. And the, off I go. The puppy, they, have, they, they do, sh- I think I found out they do shoot it before they air yeah. it. Yes. It's not yeah, live. it's not live. Because well, what if the dog shits? You never see shit or piss. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. there have been a you're couple telling times. That I, did they, I just blow your mind? The puppy yeah. bowl is pre- Puppy bulls lie. Is is rigged because people? Yeah. I guarantee there's some degenerate taking bets on it in Vegas. Do you think those hamster refs are on the take? <laughs> I just love no. when they throw a toy in the middle. Like, oh, it's getting boring. Throw a toy in. Woo, there yeah. Go. No, there have been fouls for fouling the field. Okay. Yeah, they don't show a dog squatting, but they'll be like, oh wait, someone left something. Uh, speaking of bulls, uh, yeah. a famous Family Guy episode. Uh, January 29th, Patriot Games with Tom Brady and Jay Leno. What? So this is the episode. Oh, Henry's to, favorite episode. As a spoiler, uh, next week we're going to be talking about the 2006 Super Bowl. But So that's why we're getting these Super Bowl type yeah. things. And so I this episode, this. it's the season they're back, I believe. Yeah, and they came back in 05 after the two-year two, absence. Because th- it was like three, four volumes of a DVD. Yeah. It's three seasons, so like 2000 to 2003, you could guess. Yeah. And then it was off, and then because of mm-hmm. Cartoon Network and Adult Swim kind of was able to, through their machinations, get Futurama and Family Guy in front of everybody well, it was, again. It, it was different super- in this case in that like they both Futurama and Family Guy were canceled from Fox and they both started airing on a like ushered in Adult Swim. They both became higher in the ratings. I think when they started playing them on weeknights, they would beat Jimmy Kimmel Live. Yeah. Like yep. a rerun yeah. of Family Guy because the world hadn't seen it when it aired on Fox. So uh, the first thing that Adult Swim said, we were going to make new episodes of Family Guy because it's doing so well for us. And Fox... Uh, executed something in their contract that they have first rights to mm. new episodes and they would co-produce them. So uh, that's why it still airs on Fox even though it would not have come back sure. uh, if not for Adult yeah. Swim because they, they made that happen. Shows it, to that point, shows never came back. Yeah. They just didn't. Oh, it was a canceled show? Maybe you'll get a movie or like... Yeah, this is future, and, and fans movie, of Adult yeah. Swim got fucked because like the Futurama decided to make the same decision but they, they, they left Adult Swim out of it. Comedy Central. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this, our, kind of, this is what proved But they though, didn't because it got, I bet it would still be on if it was airing on Adult Swim. Because Comedy Central didn't know what to do with it, but yeah, this this is like the initial like a sh- not only can a show come back, but like d- oh DVD sales and the aftermarket and and wikis and fans mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Turns out all if enough people on the internet get together mm-hmm. and agree on this thing and like share it. Yeah. A dead show can come back. But we're, yeah. I mean, it wasn't sort of like bring it back. We're going to have petitions. Yeah. it was just the raw money. Yeah, yeah, just the numbers of the DVD sales and the viewers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so th- this episode, in previous episodes, have been set up that they're Pats fans. They're fans of the New England Patriots because they're in Rhode Island. And Tom Brady is no. the and still is the handsome supermodel who's both uh, who's also a. Uh, Quarterback, that's the term. A quarterback for the for the Pats. I, I, Laffy Taffy. Yeah. And so in this episode obviously starts with Peter gets a new job because Homer did that a million times. And uh, Peter Griffin, in case you're new to me, I'm not the biggest Family Guy fan. But I will admit, this is one of the funniest moments on the show they ever did. So Pat, uh, Peter joins the Patriots and Tom Brady and him don't get along. Damn it, Griffin. I said no showboating. This calls for a victory tune. A 
song in Family Guy? Now, a woman who kisses on the very first date is usually a hussy. And a woman who kisses on the second time out is anything but fussy. But a woman who wait till the third time around, head in the clouds, feet on the ground. She's the girl he's glad he's found. She's his shipoopy, 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 shipoopy. The girls are hard to get. And I, I remember when we argued. Well, that for another two minutes. Henry and I have had a decade of arguing over things on podcasts, and like Family Guy isn't funny for the reasons you respect, but no. it's still funny. And I, I remember using this as like Seth MacFarlane is reintroducing people to like eighty-year-old musicals in a way that no show <laughs> is. And, and like this, I love it when they just stop the show and mm-hmm. do like a two-minute musical just to to mm-hmm. bother millennials, yeah. But yeah, to entertain people way older than their audience. Yep. Well, I, I do love when they do that. Just thinking about how much is this airtime worth, and yeah. and you're gonna you're gonna spend it on this old hee haw clip. Uh, yeah. Okay. And they, I <laughs> oh, like you're that, gonna do the whole song. All righty. <laughs> I like that they introduce a generation of kids to something. If mm-hmm. you'll find. If you find a video online of something, it'll say, oh, are you here because a Family Guy made this joke? Or you watched mm. this video because this was on Family Guy? Like, you, if you want to watch the Mick Jagger, David Bowie dancing in the streets thing, then underneath it's like, I came to this from Family Guy. This was like, but I worry sorry, I'm doing I, this voice for a Family Guy. I worry guy. that Family Guy, though, I mean, I watched it like the, those first three years, and then I watched it for probably a year when it came mm-hmm. back. So I, mm-hmm. I saw this one when it aired. Mm-hmm. But, like, I worry that it introduces most of those things. Like, it's just to the same... 20, 30-year-olds who watched Star Wars when they were kids. I think maybe. Or, in the case of these old-time songs, it's like, it's all as a joke. And it's like, so when you saw this David Bowie clip dancing, (laughs) it's like, oh, like that stupid thing Family Guy made fun of. Like, I worry Mm. that that's the message that gets Mm. through, that this music is hokey. Some some of it, I feel like it's pretty earnest. Like, I mean, Mm. why why would you... I think he might think it's earnest, but I don't know if, like, the viewer... I might be wrong. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I mean, it's random for the sake of randomness, too. But it's... That's... I mean... It's why the joke is that it's manatees collecting balls because it's just <laughs> it's just shoved together things like that could be anything. He could have sung any song. Yeah. There's no thematic point to it. Doesn't come back later. Nope. It's just a moment. And as and for a short attention span viewer or, or as a clip you'll just watch on YouTube. Thank you. It's great. <laughs> it, it's great for that. But as an episode of something that has to tell a complete story. It is meaningless. Like, it's less than meaningless. So I, still, the, but the, it, I disagree with the short attention span part because, like you said, that's the entire song for Music Man. Song. It goes two and a half minutes or something. Anyone who's getting bored by uh, it, it's well, going to keep going. Well, as somebody who also appreciates the the art of writing and writing comedy, <laughs> do you think that somebody could just say, like, well, how do we fill these 10, 20 pages of this script? What if they just sang a song? Guess, guess what? I bet the Simpsons episode that aired before this, you hated too for oh, doing everything you, you liked. The episode of the Simpsons I was on before this was not even worth putting on this list because I was like, oh, I didn't even. This is nothing about this I like. But <laughs> it's called "We're on the Road to Doughware," where Homer goes on a <laughs> goes on a road trip with Bart. I'm just like, it's more than a decade of oh, the Simpsons I don't even care for. To fa- that that anchors away Jerry yeah, sequence exactly. is like. That they digitally bothered to do all Fuck of that it. again. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah. there was also an episode of American Dad on that night. But first two seasons of American Dad kind of mm. weak compared to the later ones. Yeah. I love American Dad. Now. I enjoyed most of American Dad. Uh, I didn't watch it's the still last. On. Is it? Yeah. I thought it was moved canceled. to TBS. No, moved yep. to TBS. Mm-hmm. And and they made a big deal about how it's a new like mature one. It's like we can say shit sometimes because we're on late at night. <laughs> wow. On uh, TBS, oh we just put out a TVMA on it, and then woo, we're going to town. Oh, Here's some butts or something. Uh, Flavor of Love is still going strong in January 29th oh, of 2006. We didn't talk about when it premiered. Humanity's so. greatest achievement. 
I think Flavor Flav did a lot for the black community in this show too, and I think uh, so. Oh what was God. I remember this show being on, but I never watched it. What it was, was it was a dating show where Flavor Flav okay. was getting set up with oh, okay. uh, these ladies. It was basically The Bachelor, but starring Flavor Flav. Spin off from the surreal life. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then oh. then he later just no 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 he was then on the surreal life and got with Brigitte Nielsen, and then they had a show of the two of them as a couple, mm-hmm. which was odd love or weird love or some strange love, strange love, uh, and then they, but this show also introduced us to new york she's the most famous one oh, yeah. uh, and then she like, got a spinoff she got her own spinoff and at least one yeah. it just mm-hmm. it makes me feel gross looking at it close i'm like Ugh, this is what we watch like i'm glad we're now in the world we're in the realm of too many scripted shows to watch instead of everything is a fucking reality i, show. I miss surreal life though i read a cracked yeah. article about like um that I love Cracked, but it, not all of it is news to me. This was that how educated Flava Flav actually is in terms of music. Oh, wow. That if oh, you yeah. look up, he says, like, if you look up a clip of Flav, here's a clip of Flava Flav wearing a Viking helmet and being drunk, and this has three million views. Here's a video clip of Flava Flav playing on a piano through classical jazz and then covering a Peanuts song. This has 30 <laughs> views because nobody knows that Flava Flav can play like 16 instruments. And they bring wow. up this anecdote of like when Russell Simmons signed him to the Def Jam Records, he's like, Chuck D, get rid of this weirdo dude. He's like, he's actually the only person who knows how to play music, can read music. <laughs> so Flava Flav, is, Flava Flav is a secret musical genius. Wow. You just why wouldn't is, know it. Why is he doing, why did he do a decade of idiocy then? Like, because, cash but, money. Guess what? Before yes. that, I don't think anybody cared that he did play music. I guess He puts so. a big clock around his no, neck. whatever. He was a hype man. He wasn't yeah, the music boy. guy. And then I'm now I'm playing people. Tony Hawk. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, I miss a real life, though. I really. I, all right. Now for a wrestling digression. I God. apologize for this. Okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom. It's a, it's a small one, and I agree. This is a, it's a it's a clip at least, so we get to hear. Something, it's fun but. for its distastefulness. So yeah, I got to set it up. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, Eddie Guerrero is one of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time. Died before his time too, and he died in like the fall of 2005, and by early 20, uh, 2006 his best friend on the show Rey Mysterio who would never win the Royal Rumble won the Royal Rumble as tribute to Eddie Guerrero is ne- this classic Rey Mysterio or is this like no, a new guy no this is buff Rey Mysterio okay. uh, but so he wins it as tribute to Eddie he's like yeah Eddie Eddie I did it for Eddie and they decide they need to get more storyline out of it so within six months of Eddie Guerrero's death they decide well, we should have a bad guy come out and say that Eddie Guerrero is garbage and that he is not proud of this moment at all. <laughs> and so Randy Orton comes out and says this famous line. Eddie ain't in heaven. Eddie's down there in hell. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a bridge too far for many viewers. of just like, uh, he just died. Like, he's a real person who a- actually Die. I think yeah. their argument is always Keep like your dumb greasy guy fiction off. But they're but all of these guys are just the most committed vaudeville clowns ever. And like if they could <laughs> they speak their... if they could speak from the grave, they're like, yeah, dude, keep me as part of the story, like in any way you can. <laughs> yeah. I do. Like, I... It, it'll make people get really upset and get invested in the story. Oh, it'll be it's great. It'll be great. It, it was it. too. It was too far for then. I think it was one of their times of like realizing the times had changed. Randy mm. Orton didn't want to do that line either. The one who said it, but. In the 80s, even in the 90s, they would have gotten mileage out of that of like, yeah, a real person died, and I'm going to say it to his widow's face that he's in hell. Because it's a fucking carny show. Yeah. Like, it's carny. Well, it's also more protected than for the average viewer. They would actually believe that this guy's a monster yeah. who would say that. And yes. even by 06, everyone's like, 
Who wrote that line for yeah, Randy? Like, that why poor did, man. Why like, did a writer write this line and make yeah. this actor say this? This yeah. is fucked up that this actor had to say this yeah. line. Okay, that makes uh, sense. So um, yeah, that, yeah, that was the weird disconnect. They though then they did CM Punk did do it with the death yeah, of Paul, Paul Bearer. Bearer. Yeah. But in that case, they really did say like Paul Bearer would want to be part of this, and yeah. that yeah. I mean, and, Taker of anybody would know one way yeah, or the other. If Taker was cool with it, then fine. Yeah. yeah. Also, real quick, uh, you wrote down UFC fifty seven. Uh, Liddell versus Couture? Couture. Randy Couture. Oh, yeah. Of Expendables fame? Knights of the yes. Old Republic? <laughs> yeah, no. So this the, was the highest view, uh, the, the most popular UFC uh, fight to date. It was Randy It was over the light heavyweight championship. Randy Couture was a fighter in his 40s who seemed to get better every year. And Chuck Liddell was like the most prominent puncher in the light heavyweights and this was a rubber match liddell won it was an amazing fight it, there's no real clips to play of it but it was it was also the culmination yeah, let's reenact it. It, it was a culmination of an entire season oh my of, god he's dead <laughs> it was a culmination of an entire season of the ultimate fighter where they were both uh, coaches and um. then it was that was when they it's the closest ufc gets to wrestling or wwe where they're like for two months, we're going to have this show that mm. advertises the main event you're wow. going to buy on pay-per-view. That's that's how they did it. But it was a great... That was the height of my fandom in UFC because mm. after that, the Fair, only guys... Fairweather fan? I was. Well, because... <laughs> Not enough spangles. It's it's when the meatheads came in, honestly. Ah. Like, it was when I was a hipster about it, too. And I was totally, in the early 2000s, the best best MMA fighting's in Japan. If you really cared, you'd watch the Japanese fights. And then UFC became the main event instead. And that's when it started attracting guys who were just assholes who would have been in boxing. Ah. Now they're like, oh, you could just, like punch a dude on the ground and stuff and it mm-hmm. was just uh, it got it all got worse from then that was a Brock Lesnar era which I don't blame Brock but yeah bad times for UFC ahead speaking this was UFC, a great moment speaking of UFC uh, that oh, brings God. us to the end of the show oh. uh, <laughs> but no because of birthdays this <gasps> week Yay! we always talk about the birthdays oh Bert <laughs> Birthday. Uh, okay. Remember to get that sting for next week. Yeah, I really should actually. <laughs> oh, birthday! There we go. Thank you, Home Movies, for the best Brendan birthday. Small. The best birthday song of all time. I did see the, the Laser Time Facebook group just dug into the old Tidar Brett birthday by Lunchbox and his friends. Hey, Brett, oh, it's your yeah. birthday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, thank you, Laser Time Facebook group. Uh, search for that on Facebook if you're interested in uh, interacting with a really fun community. But UFC-related... Uh... Wait, can I plug that? They are at on January 31st. Wait, you're past that, aren't we? Anyway, never mind. It should be this week. No, it'll be no. Um, February. Oh, we're probably coming we're out. In, we're in February already, obviously. It's, it's February 4th when this airs. Uh, birthdays this week period include Ronda Rousey. Woo! Yeah. Um, she's what twenty two or something to make me feel super old. No, she's like tw- late twenties, I think. All right, uh, but also in the same week, Rosa Parks, Alice Cooper, Natalie Imbruglia, oh, uh, Hannibal Buress, George A. Romero, yay, Rob Corddry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the quiz: try to guess who I'm talking about. Ooh. Born in 1947. Okay. 9,000 years old. Yes. They uh, did? Indiana Senator. Famously misspelled oh, potato. Dan Quayle. Dan Quayle? Quayle. Wow. Vice President Dan and Quayle. Vice VP DQ. He was, he was kicked around a lot by the media, and he just I never heard from him again. 
Yeah. 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 Because he, unlike Nixon, he was true, and he's like, "You're not going to have me to kick around anymore." <laughs> but it's, it's, what, he he wasn't going to run for election after after Poppy Bush got knocked out I know. by Clinton. I, I, I'm, what I'm, the hell I chances? Am, Quail I am have? thinking of a current cable news with like 16, 24 hour cable news true, networks, and yeah. all oh, people yeah. who lose elections be, tend to become pundits on the air. Yeah. And we never show now. Yeah, we've never heard Dan Quayle come back to say shit. Slot shot for that. I don't know. Well, it's it actually. I watched this funny. Uh, thing about the the eighty eight, I think it was uh, debates for the vice president, where Britt Hume, who is a talking head for yes. Fox News mm-hmm. and one of their total ideologues, looks like gravity's pulling his face yeah, off. Yeah, he's he's a monster man. <laughs> but in in the clip, he's like, I had no, he's like, I had no respect for Dan Quayle, and I was going to grill him hard. And so he was just he took it to Dan Quayle, which is funny to see a conservative. Now you think, oh, every conservative is watching out for each other; they're not going to give hard questions but Dan Quayle got it tough from Brit Hume so that's the end of this episode we'll be back in a week uh, we post each Thursday check us out mm-hmm. on iTunes 302010lasertimepodcast.com but uh, I also shoot host... us a rating or review help yes, us out rating, reviewing sharing uh, Facebook page is also good um I also host VG Empire, the video game music podcast. We recently did one celebrating the launch of Mario and Luigi Paper Jam. Uh, we we had done one prior, but there's so many Mario RPGs, we did another one. Um, but yeah, you can check out VGEmpire.com for more other game music episodes. Uh, well, there's also the regular Laser Time show. <laughs> That's right. We uh, just did a well, not just, but we recently did an X Files episode. Mm-hmm. Which, if you wish, mm-hmm. we talked about X Files in '96. Like, just listen to that. We yeah. talk a lot about X Files on yeah. that. Episode. Yeah, it's a pop culture show, usually celebrating one topic. Um, but man, the show. Yeah, imagine is... if like we did a whole episode about the Puppy Bowl. Yeah. Oh God, I'm treading oh, this. Yeah. I like the show so much more now. Let's see if. <laughs> Don't see what say happens. that because you're gonna hurt the ratings. No, I'm not gonna hurt. The, I'm gonna try my best. It's just like I'm so ADD, and then we get to go to so many topics here. It's great. <laughs> it's so great. Uh, and there's also Talking Simpsons where we have the uh, weekly chronological discussion of every episode of The Simpsons from the beginning. We're at the uh, mid- past the midpoint of season two. Listen mm. along and it's supported like this by patreon.com slash laser time. Become yeah. a patron. Five dollars a month gets you so many things including extra podcasts, Monday Night Movies, all these awesome stuff. And I don't, I don't know the logistics of how long we can do this, but we recently we were doing commentaries yeah. for uh, cheap we'll podcast fans, wrestling matches, and cartoons. We have uh, infiltrated Vimeo and I've put stuff up password protected for patrons. So instead of you having to sync the track to something, we're going to steal it and put it up for as long as we can. Uh, but yes, only for patrons. Patreon.com slash laser time. Cool. And oh, there's also uh, Video Game Apocalypse, a video game podcast uh, hosted by my other half, uh, Michael Rabars. And uh, I'm not on it because I don't know much about video games, <laughs> but I am at Listen A Nerd uh, on Twitter. Oh, and there's also the comic book podcast we mentioned earlier, uh, Cape oh, Crisis, yeah. that I host. Um, so taking us out, uh, other birthdays in this time frame included uh, Brandon Lee, who came up oh, earlier in the show, okay. uh, Rick James, Polly Shore, Chris, uh, Brent Spiner, and oh. Shakira. All right. Yeah. Of all the Shakira songs I like, I gotta play She-Wolf from 2009. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, I don't know that we'll make it to a, two, the 29th, a 2009 episode in 2019, uh, but let's roll those dice and see if this song comes up twice in the show. Take us out is a little bit of Shakira's She Wolf. Student, to look at the single man I got on me, a special radar. On the fire department hotline, in case I get in trouble later. Not looking for cute little devils or rich city guys I just want to enjoy. Uh, having a very good time and behave very bad in the arms of the boy. She was in the closet Open up 